Um, Lord, I thank you that this has got nothing to do with me or how well I speak. I thank you that it's all about you. May you get the glory and may we all just be left in awe and wonder of how amazing your grace is. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Cool. Hi, everyone. If you don't know me, my name is Matt. I serve as part of the uh, worship team, one of the youth leaders. Um, and today is an absolute joy and privilege to continue this summer series looking at Jonah. You got the slide, the first one. Is that right, Si? Oh, look at that transition. Wow. Nice. Um, my job is looking at chapter two, which is Jonah's prayer. Okay. Um, the main thing I want to get across is the title. It really is Amazing Grace. I don't know about you, but we hear grace all the time. We say it before food. Um, there's a song called This Is Amazing Grace. There's a hymn called Amazing Grace. There's another song called It Should Be Called Grace. There's a, one of the most popular baby names for this year is also Grace. Interesting fact. So we hear grace all the time. And as I was preparing for this, I just thought, Around the world, we hear grace all the time. I feel like God's amazing biblical grace is sometimes lost. That amazingness, that awesomeness of God's grace is lost in the midst of just the word grace. So today, the main point I want to get across for all of you is that it really is amazing grace. It really is. And as we look through Jonah's prayer, hopefully we will see that. But first, we need context. And does anyone know what the best chocolates are? Just shout out the best chocolates in the world. Cream egg, you're wrong. <laughs> Anyone else? <laughs> Someone say heroes. Someone say heroes. Heroes, yes! Because we got some heroes. Fantastic. Huh? Uh, no. No, if you want a cream egg, go see Bex. That'd be great. Um, before we get to chapter two, we need to remind ourselves of what has happened in chapter one. So the game is very simple. Shout it out. Okay, you just got to finish the sentence. Shout it out. First one, I'm just going to chuck uh, a chocolate at you in a nice way. Okay? So this will hopefully be a reminder of what we've gone through. A man named Jonah was the son of who? You know what? You know what? We are all children of God, so I'll give you that. Bang, there's one. That is a catch! Okay. He was the son of who? Can anyone remember? Who said Amatai? Yes, come on. Oh, there you go, whispers. Oh, I'll tell you what, two for two. This is fantastic. It's unbelievable. Okay, Jonah was the son of Amatai. He was sent by God to speak against a great city called what? Who said Nineveh? Oh, John, in the lowest voice, Nineveh. Three for three, amazing. Okay, he was sent by God to speak against a great city called Nineveh. And Jonah, of course, absolutely freaks out. He gets really scared and he runs away and he gets on a boat and the boat heads towards where? To be fair, you also Tarshish really quickly. Bex, you're pointing towards. Was it? Around that area. Oh, you know what? That. Yes! Okay, if you're wearing the Arsenal shirt, you don't get one. You don't get one. There you go. Cool. Okay, so Jonah gets on this boat to Tarshish. He is freaking out. He's really scared. And then suddenly the Lord makes all the seas go wild and tempestuous. The seas are going crazy. That all the crew, including Jonah, they're... Well, actually, Jonah's asleep, sorry. All the crew are freaking out. They're like, what is going on? We think we're going to die. So what do the crew do to try and figure out whose fault it was? Yeah, there was a couple there, so I'm going to go over there. There you go. Oh, Bex. I tell you what, my throwing is fantastic. 
Okay. So they cast lots. The lot falls on who? Who said Jonah? Yeah, there. Oh, no. There you go. Catch. Okay. The lot falls on Jonah. And then they go to Jonah and they say, what is happening? And then you suddenly see this change in Jonah. He goes, oh, okay, you know what's happening. I'm trying to run away from the presence of the Lord. I've been fleeing him. He's causing the seas to go wild. So what do you need to do? They need to chuck him overboard. Okay? So now they chuck him overboard. As soon as they chuck him overboard, what happens to the seas? Yes, they get calmer. They're not so wild. They get calmer. There you go. There's an eclair. That's my favorite one. You're lucky. Okay, so at this point in the story, he's trying to run away. He kind of, in my view, he sort of kind of gives up and just goes, look, if you just chuck me overboard, you'll survive. The seas will die down. And it says they are not near dry land. Okay, so we get to this point where Jonah is all alone, floating in the sea. And then we get to chapter 2, or the end of chapter 1, where it says, uh, chapter 1, verse 17. Oh, it works. Hey, how about that? And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Okay, we're just going to pause there, okay? Because I don't know about you, we hear, like the word grace, we hear this story so often, we're reading it in the comfort of our own home, they're like, okay, great, yeah, Jonah was in a fish or a whale, that's normal. I'm just going to let you know, it is not normal to be in a fish, it is disgusting, it is smelly, it is slimy. And I thought, oh, I love games with slime in it. I've just been to New Day, we had lots of slime, it was great. So, in order to win some more heroes, I need three volunteers. Where are my three referees? John, Ali, Ellie. I need three volunteers to play a game. I'm just going to you know, it's slimy, it's disgusting, but only your hands will get dirty. One, two, I need one more. Do you want to come to the front? Three. Oh, brother versus brother. This is going to be intense. Okay. Right. So, some of you may be thinking, why on earth did I do that game? Three reasons. One, it's fun. Two, I had loads of spare food. And three, I, I really wanted to get across the idea that what we're about to read in chapter two, he says this in a fish. Okay, like that is disgusting. What he's about to say, it, it is in a fish. So let us read chapter two, one to ten. Oh, there's the game. There you go. Well done, guys. You smell. I can smell you from here. Okay, chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Shur I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the Lord, to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Okay. So, we're looking at this morning, it really is 
amazing grace. There's something different about God's grace compared to when we use it in every other way. But I just want to quickly define what grace is, what God's grace is and why it makes it different. There's a really good, Adam gave me a really good um, analogy, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Okay, really nice, simple analogy. It is, we are receiving something, we are receiving God's riches, well, because of Christ, we are receiving God's riches even though we don't deserve it. One way I remember it is simple, we receive what we don't deserve. Simple as that. Also forgot to say, for all the kids, there are some uh, colouring in and activity sheets and word searches at the back with pens if you want to go grab them now. Okay. So that is God's grace. We receive what we don't deserve. Another good way of thinking about it is, does anyone else want some chocolates? Anyone? Yeah. There's one for you. That is a hot... Sorry, my left hand is terrible. Yeah, my left hand is absolutely shocking. That's horrible. Who said me? <laughs> that is... See, my left hand is horrible. Oh, wow. Okay. In the game, where's Daniel? Daniel won the game. The rules were simple. Okay, if you do something, if you win, you get chocolate, and Daniel, I'll save you some chocolates. At the beginning, when I was doing the um, end the sentence, finish the word, if you got it right, you got chocolates. Okay, simply, you followed the rules, you won, you deserved a chocolate. What I did just there is a good example, arguably, of grace. None of you deserve the chocolates. You didn't do anything to deserve it. You didn't do anything to achieve it. You didn't win the chocolates. I just freely gave you, as a gift, chocolate. Okay? In other words, they got something that they didn't really deserve. I just freely gave it as a gift. Okay? That's a nice way of thinking about what grace is. So now we know what God's grace is. J.I. Packer looks through Jonah's prayer, chapter 2, that we just read. And he sees three things, three parts, that if we understand these three parts, grace turns from just a... A word to something really amazing okay so I want to take us through those three things there you go lovely first one to understand God's grace we must accept that we have done wrong I know this sounds a bit obvious but I don't know about you I hate it when someone points out I've done something wrong or I've been disobedient or I've not been good enough I absolutely hate it okay a good example of this does anyone know what movie this is oh your hand was straight up the incredibles a little hint i told her the answer earlier yes left sorry my left hand again okay the incredibles second question does anyone know who this is bex you're not meant to okay fine is that two? Oh, left hand that is steve <laughs> What a fantastic catch that was. My word. You can get another one just for that, Steve. Thank you. Okay, so this is Sinjo. Does anyone know what his superhero name was when he was a boy? Oh, John, yeah. That's good as well. Oh, nearly. Okay. He was called Incrediboy. Let me tell you a bit about Incrediboy. Incrediboy wanted to be a superhero. He didn't have any superpowers. He was a genius. He used technology. He had these amazing flying boots. He wanted to be a superhero. He looked up to Mr. Incredible and was like, one day I'm going to be your sidekick. And he kept going up to Mr. Incredible going like, yeah, yeah, I can do it. I can do it. I can be your sidekick. And yet there came a point time and time again where Mr. Incre Mr. Incrediboy, Incredible, sorry, 
went to Incredible or Syndrome and said, you're not good enough. He was like, you're wrong. You're never going to be a superhero. You haven't even got any superpowers. I don't even want you here. And he says, I work alone, buddy. And boy, Incredible Boy got so angry and his anger turned him into one of the villains' syndrome. Incredible Boy hated it when Mr. Incredible went to him and pointed out his flaws, said that you're not good enough, said that you're bad and you will never be a superhero. And that turned him into a villain. And yet, let's have a look at what Jonah does. He accepts that he has done wrong. Oh, it might have been printed off. Okay, cool. Verse 3. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves, so this is him talking to the Lord, all your waves and your billows passed over me. What Jonah is doing here at this point is he realizes that God has intervened and basically judgment is coming. There's a bit at the end of chapter one I was saying earlier where instead of fleeing, he kind of, in my opinion, he kind of gives up and goes, oh, there's no chance that I can flee from the Lord. Chuck me over, you crewmen, save yourself. He gives up, he goes, you know what, I've, I've done wrong, I've been disobedient, I've tried to flee, I've tried to kind of, I've done wrong and I've tried to get out of trouble, but actually, no, I can see that the Lord, you've intervened, you've got me into this place. Judgment, punishment is coming, I'm, I am where I am today because I've done wrong and you are a just God and you're punishing me for it and I'm at death's door. So remember, he doesn't know that chapter three is coming. He doesn't know that he's going to get out of the whale or the fish. He's there going, oh, you know what, Lord, I can see your hand in all of this. I have done wrong, and you're now punishing me for it. There is now judgment coming. There is justice, deserved justice. So it's interesting. He's changed, and he's accepted that he has done wrong. Then part two. So that's the first one. To understand God's grace, we must accept that we have done wrong. Two, to understand God's grace, we must realize that we cannot achieve it. Let's again look at Jonah's prayer. Verse six, at the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you, Lord, brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. I think a bit early in verse Two, yeah. I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice. So part one, he's understanding God's grace because he accepts, okay, I've done wrong, Lord, and your justice is coming. I am where I am today because of that. Part two, he doesn't try and get out of the fish himself. He doesn't try and escape himself. He goes, oh, I cry to the Lord. I cry to the Lord. One thing I love in verse six, we go back to verse six. He goes to the land whose bars closed upon me. And I imagined it where, like, a little bit of grammar here. He's the passive. So the bars are coming upon him, and therefore, he's not in control. He cannot open the bars himself because they are coming upon him, not just for a day or a week, but forever. And so what does he do? I don't know about you. I love but God moments. They're throughout Scripture. And you have a yet you. Yet you, but God, you brought up my life from the pit. He has now realized, part two, he cannot achieve it, and so he cries out to the Lord. Again and again, I call out to the Lord. I go to you in the depths, in the fish. Once I've done wrong, I realize that you, Lord, are the one that can save. I cannot do this by myself. That's part two. Has anyone heard of Cavaliers FC? 
Have you actually? Do you know why Cavaliers FC are so famous? Because they have been dubbed the worst team, like, ever. <laughs> no, it's like, seriously, you can find it online. They've been dubbed the worst team ever. And uh, I need to go to the next bit. Basically, similar to Jonah, they realised that they were absolutely terrible. They were the worst team, and they could not achieve promotion themselves. So they got on Twitter and social media, and they asked for help. Is the next slide? Yeah. They genuinely sent this appeal all over social media going, we're not good enough. We need more players. We need more coaching staff. We need a manager. We cannot achieve promotion ourselves. So they looked elsewhere. And I know you can't read it, so I've got a quote here from what they said. How is the season going? Not well. In our last match, we lost 26-0 at home. <laughs> I know. We did not have a goalkeeper for the game, and we only had one defender. We are... I know. It's like Palace, no, I'm joking. We are looking to improve our squad by bringing in new players with the desired attributes to generate success at our level. Okay, you can find that online. Cavaliers FC, right, they realised no way are they going to achieve promotion. So they didn't look towards themselves, they looked elsewhere for help and they cried out, they appealed, literally, to everyone else going, please help us. Jonah realized part two he could not achieve grace himself he could not save himself so he goes yet you lord the bars are coming upon me forever i'm at death's door i'm in a slimy disgusting dirty fish i don't know chapter three yet so i think i'm gonna die yet you lord brought up my life from the pit i cried out to you for help not myself so two to understand god's grace we must realize we cannot achieve it out of our own strength Oh, wow. Part three, final bit. To understand God's grace, we must understand how much it costs. Oh, no, there you go. Keep it there. We must understand how much it costs. If we look in verse four and verse seven, he talks about this holy temple, okay? So he's cried out to the Lord, and it often says, then I said, I'm driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. And I'm sure some of you, when I first read it, I was a bit confused, like why, if you're going to cry out to the Lord, why look to the holy temple? Like what does that mean? Okay, um, I'm going to try this, I've practiced this a couple of times, but I'm going to try in like two and a half minutes to explain what the holy temple is all about. Okay, if I fail this could go horribly wrong, but it should be all right. Okay, so I want you to imagine there's a man called Aaron, and the Lord speaks to Aaron and says, right, I want you to make a sacrifice with four animals. That's really important to remember, okay? Four animals, you've got a bull, you've got two goats, you've got a ram, okay? Four animals, okay? So he speaks to Aaron and says, come into the temple. Wait, hold on, before you get into the temple, you need to have a bath because you smell. So Aaron then has a bath, and he gets in the bath, and after the bath, obviously, he hasn't got any clothes. So the Lord says, I want you to now wear some clothes. So he wears some clothes, and he puts on a turban, and then he gets how many animals? Four, exactly. Can anyone remember what the animals are? Exactly. It's like a bull, two goats, and a ram. We can already forget about one ram because one ram is sent as a burnt offering. So that ram doesn't, isn't spoken about again. So now we have how many animals? Exactly. This is great. We've got three animals. Now Aaron goes into the temple and he's like, okay, oh no, hold on a second, Aaron. Before you go into the temple, says the Lord, I want you to stay by the entrance and I want you to get the two goats. How many goats? 
Two goats, exactly. Now, you need to choose the two goats. Which one is for the Lord? Which one is for a man called Azazel? Now, we've already forgotten about the ram because that's the burnt offering. Now, the goat, one of the goats for Azazel, we can forget about because that is a sin offering that will be sent into the wilderness to atone for the sins for the forgiveness and grace of Azazel and his family. So now, how many animals have we got left? Exactly. We've got a bull and we've got a goat. So now Aaron goes into the temple. The Lord says, right, you can now come in. I want you to sacrifice a bull for your family. So Aaron, his family, to atone and forgive and grace for their sins. And he's like, okay, great. And he's like, whoa, 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 hold on a second, Aaron. How are you going to do it? He goes, I don't know, Lord. How am I going to do it? He's like, right, I'm going to tell you how to do it. I want you to sprinkle the blood of the bull seven times. Not once, not twice, but exactly seven times where on the mercy seat ah Aaron goes okay but where's the mercy seat right come into the mercy seat then the Lord says to Aaron on the mercy seat I want to sprinkle it seven times but in a specific way not in the front of the mercy seat but in the front on the east side and then at the front so on the east side and then the front so Aaron does it and then back because of that because of the bull offering we can forget about the bull Aaron's family and household have been atoned for their sins and they are forgiven and they receive grace so how many animals have we got left one. Does anyone know what animal it is? It is a goat. Right, so what are we can do about the goat? Exactly, I'm about to tell you. So, Azazel and his family have been forgiven. Aaron and his family have been forgiven. We've forgotten about very particular people. Moses is part of it. The people of Israel, come on. Right, the people of Israel. We've got everyone else. Blimey, we've got everyone else. Okay, so everyone else, what are they going to do? The Lord says, right, I want you to get the goat. I want you to sacrifice the goat. And Aaron goes, ah, oh, don't you worry. I know how to do this. Well, not once, not twice, but seven times. I do it on the east side. The Lord says, no, not on the east side. This is going to be a little bit different. For the people of Israel, I want you to go onto the mercy seat and I want you to sacrifice the goat just in front of the mercy seat and above the mercy seat. So then Aaron does it. And now all the people of Israel and Aaron's family and Azazel They've been atoned for their sins. They receive grace. They are forgiven. No, they're not. Because then the Lord says to Aaron, don't you wait a second. I want you now to go to the altar. I want you to get a bit of blood of the bull, a bit of the blood of the goat. Sprinkle it where? No, at the horns of the altar. How many times? Not once, not twice, but? Seven times, exactly. So he goes to the altar. Then he goes, right, where's the bull? Blood of the bull, blood of the goat. Sprinkle it on the horns. Not once, not twice, but seven times. And now the Lord goes, everyone is forgiven. They are all atoned for. Okay, so Aaron's family with the blood of the bull, the people of Israel with the blood of the bull and the blood of the goat, and then Azazel with the goat that goes into the wilderness. So when Jonah goes to the holy temple, he is looking to the place where you receive forgiveness. You are looking to the place where there is an offering of a bull and a goat, and their sins are atoned for, their sins are covered, they receive grace upon grace. Okay, so that's what it means when he says that he looks unto the holy temple but what's amazing is here today we can look towards something better in hebrews 9 12 it says he christ entered once and for all into the holy places not by means of blood of goats and calves but by means of his own blood thus securing an eternal redemption so the third point, to understand grace, we must understand how much it costs. So when Jonah looks and cries towards the holy temple, the cost for him would have been the blood of a bull and the blood of a goat. And that sacrifice, that offering, would have meant atonement, and forgiveness and grace for a while. But we here today know that because of Christ, the cost of grace is not the blood of bulls or a goat, it's the blood of Jesus, and it lasts for eternity. It lasts forever. 
As Jonah looks towards the holy temple, we can look towards the cross and the empty tomb. The cost of grace for Jonah lasted for a while. The cost of grace for us by the blood of Jesus lasts for all eternity. And that's why I think that acronym is incredible. God's riches at Christ's expense. To understand grace, we must also remember Christ's expense. We must remember the cross. So, just to end with, those are the three points. And it's important to remember all three. Okay? In the sense of, if you just remember one that you've done wrong, it's not enough. You might feel guilty and bad all the time. If you remember two that you can't achieve it, you might be hopeless going, what am I going to do about it? If you remember three, that though you've done wrong, God, through his son, has given you grace as a gift through faith. Remembering all three, boy, grace turns from just a a word into a life-changing power, a life-changing reality. So if you're a Christian here today and you believe in Jesus, I just want you to be reminded, as I have been, as I've been preparing this, just how amazing grace is. I have often become numb to it. We sing it all the time, and like, great, cool, that's fun. But then, as I started reading this and going through those three points, boy, I, I actually felt like a little bit shaky, kind of going, I, can't, I genuinely can't believe this. Grace is incredible. If you don't know Jesus, this amazing grace is for you today. If you don't think, or if you think you don't deserve it, it's the beauty of grace. If you know that you've done wrong, it's the beauty of grace because the cost has already been paid at Christ's expense. How amazing is, oh, how amazing is that? So let me just pray. Oh, sorry, if you're not a Christian today and you do want to receive that amazing grace, I'd love to pray for you. I'm sure there'll be people at the front who will pay, pray as well. So let me just pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your grace. I thank you that there is nothing quite like it. I'm sorry for when I've become used to it in a way, or it's become normal or just plain. It's a horrible word. May we always be in awe and wonder of your amazing, amazing grace. We thank you that we don't have to come again and again to to do an offering that will last a bit but we can look towards the cross and the empty tomb we can remind ourselves of Christ we can look towards the son who sacrificed himself once and for all so that we can receive eternal redemption thank you for grace we receive God's riches at Christ's expense and may we always be in awe and wonder of your amazing grace Amen Amen